This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. Recently, the Wall Street Journal reported that schools across the country are moving toward a four-day school week. Yes, that's right. Schools are shutting their doors for one more day every week of the school year. This is over and above summer vacation, winter and spring breaks, and holiday time. In Nevada, 13 of 17 school districts have instituted the four-day week. In Colorado, 104 of 178 districts are doing it. And in New Mexico, the practice has been introduced into 38 of 89 school districts. Well, I have with me today Hannah Scandera, former Secretary of Education for the State of New Mexico and currently editor of The Lie, an online education journal dedicated to enhancing civil discourse among education leaders. Hannah, it's a great pleasure to have you with me on the Education Exchange today. Thank you, Paul. It's great to be here. Well, I know you're eager to talk about your Pathways to Tomorrow initiative, and we'll get to that, but I'm eager to have your views on this uh, breaking story out here, the four-day school. Uh, it, I have to ask you this question. Is this just another dumbing down of our educational system, or is there something more to it? I, I don't think it's a dumbing down at all. I think it's a practical solution. Uh, picture in, in New Mexico. So even though it's 38 school districts out of 89, so over a third of our school districts are on four-day school weeks, I want to first punctuate that it's only about 5% of our kids. I want to say that again. Over a third of the districts, but only about 5% of our students are represented. Okay, but most of your students are in Albuquerque. It, Correct. Right. So that's not... A third of our kids are in Albuquerque. And, then that, and they're on the five-day week there, for yes, sure. Yes, they are. Right, right. So, But it's in rural areas, very... Um, More remote. Yeah. Uh, so New Mexico is the fifth largest land mass when it comes to state... Uh, landmass uh, in the country. So it's a big state. And if you think about What's it... Is this after Texas? Is it Alaska, Texas? We're going to have to look that up, Paul. I'm not sure it what must, the, the rank would be. It must yeah. be. Yeah. And, and so there's a lot, a lot of country to cover, if you will. And so when you think about that and you want to think about the return on investment for kids and their time in, in the classroom, and also just sheer economics. If you're on a bus for 90 minutes each way every day, transportation costs are high, and your time on a school bus, and you know, some kids can study on school buses, but let's be clear, it's harder. And some may not be able to at all because they get, you know, well, carsick and right right, right, right. So when you think about the return for kids, it's not a dumbing down. It may actually be a, a uh, you know, raising up, if you will, the opportunity for more time in the classroom spent well. Well, I read in the article that one reason that was being given was that to get school teachers to come to your school district, the four-day week was an attraction. So is this really a demand coming from teachers who say, I'll take that job at the four-day school district rather than the regular five-day district? Right. So there's no denying that there is an appeal and it makes it easier to recruit teachers. And by the way, we know in our rural areas, it's harder to recruit teachers. It just uh, as far as, I mean, sheer, sheer travel, access, et cetera. And so when you're able to have another perk, if you will, in recruiting, I think it's a value add, as long as you're not lowering your bar and expectations around what happens in the classroom. Um, if you're creating a better um, working and educating environment 
for kids and for teachers, it's a win. And I think you see that the four-day school week can make that uh, a win. Well, I, I see that from the article that they're expanding the school day from somewhere between five and 45 minutes, but is an extra 45 minutes gives you an extra three hours a week. Right. But that's not the same as a full day, is it? Or how long is a regular school day? So in, in New Mexico, we um, it's actually in state statute. It's either, you either have to meet 180 school days or 1,080 school hours. That's in statute, and we require that you meet that. So we're not enforcing, as you can tell, whether it's you do it in four days um, or, or five, but we do require that you meet those expectations and our schools are doing that. So they're not, they're not cheating students, if you will, on the time spent in the classroom. And you, one could make the argument, if it's quality time in the classroom, that you're doing actually fewer transitions, fewer starts and stops, because you're, you're, it's happening all in a, a longer period in sequence, not mo more days. So um, I'm not, I don't know of the laws in, for example, Nevada, Colorado, um, and what they're um, requirements are around a time in the classroom, but New Mexico has um, certainly not compromised that. Well, uh, th this all all makes sense, uh, and I guess it reduces absenteeism Absolutely. on the parts of both teachers and students. That's right. Think about this: if you're if you're on the fence, you're, you're having a day where you're not feeling great, um, you, and and so you say, you know, I'm going to spend an, three hours on a bus going to and from school. Instead of, wait a minute, I actually, maybe this is a day where I, it's the fifth day and I'm staying at home, I'm getting healthier, and I'll be back in school, you know, next Monday. There's just a good cost, you know, benefit analysis on health and, and time spent getting to your, your real mission. And what we're really doing is reducing the time to get to the real mission, educating our kids. Well, how about the poor parents, right? The parents uh, expect their kids to go to school. They have to get to work. Uh, doesn't this, uh, don't, don't you get uh, uh, parents complaining about the fact that the schools aren't doing what they've been expected to do in the past? We didn't experience that in New Mexico, and, and I can't point to a specific uh, example of this, Paul, but I think what you'll see is in the communities, it's, it's happening for all parents in a community, and so there's an opportunity for communities to create solutions in their community um, for, uh, you know, for the, if you will, the gap of um, parents working and, and kids not in school. So should we expect to see this as a spreading idea? Is this going to be one of the transformations of the school that we're going to witness in the next decade? So I won't, I'm not sure I'm going to directly answer you on this, but I think um, that this is telling of what we will see, which is increasing expectations, and in fact, Pathway to Tomorrow reveals this, this is increasing expectation that our schools and our, educa our educating of our kids are more and more personalized and to the benefit of the actual education our kids are receiving and what they need to be more successful. And so will we see more four-day-a-week um, school, schools and districts uh, transition? Uh, possibly. And I also think we'll see a lot more innovation and, and push and disrupting the traditional, this is the way school has to be. I mean, we've, we've talked about this before. Why are we still on a, you know, a, a rural agrarian calendar? The majority of our kids are in, in a different space and time, and we're still taking three months off. doesn't make sense for well, education. Well, let me push back on that. So the, here I would say, okay, let's go to the four-day week. I can buy that for all the reasons you've given. It's pretty convincing. 
but then why don't we extend the school year so I'm all that in. there's a few more weeks in the school year, fewer fewer yes. school days in the week? You're, I, I probably didn't articulate myself well. I expect that we'll see more and more of those kinds of pushes and innovations that are much more tailored to what we say we're about, educating our kids and, and educating them well. There isn't a, a lot of common sense and a huge you know, summer slide that we see happening during the summer months where our kids actually lose ground um, that they they made at the end of school and then, and then we got to restart at the beginning of the next school year. Well, this could be a pathway to tomorrow and I want to do, I do uh, really want to learn more about this. So this is a new initiative that, uh, uh, who, who is sponsoring the Pathway mm -hmm. to Tomorrow initiative? So. Pathway to Tomorrow, which I affectionately call P2T for short, so you don't have to say such P2T, a mouthful. P2T. Yes. P2T. Yeah, but um, i got to keep reminding myself that stands for Pathways to Tomorrow. Yes, right? it does. Yeah. Yes. It's really um, was founded uh, by myself after talking to hundreds of educators and folks in the education space across our country. And what I was hearing is concerns around being strictly on defense uh, around the foundation pieces, which I fundamentally believe in, accountability, high expectations, choice, for example. And where, how do we create a vision that is relevant for the future and for um, leaders uh, across our country today that's responsive to local and regional needs, not a national playbook, but really is broadening our tent, broadening our horizons, building on this foundation, but also not defense, but a, a a vision forward that that has innovation and so expectation. So you're asking people to submit their ideas. Yes. And uh, there's a prize at the end for those who actually come up with great ideas. Yes. And I just want to say we have over 100 partners and supporters who have come together left, right, and center across the political spectrum, which is not common these days. Um, to support this initiative and say we believe in this call for proposals. Um, we believe these proposals should be bridging gaps that we see. We believe they should build on the foundations that we've spent the last 20 and 30 years building, but we also believe they should be innovative and thinking forward. And so I credit all these, these partners that have um, come together and these supporters to, to make that statement uh, of belief. Um, so have the proposals arrived they on have. your desk? Yes. We had 240 proposals, Paul, which is, I, when I talked to folks about kind of what should we expect, you know, on a call for, for proposals, um, most folks said, uh, hey, probably 100. We had 240, and our submitters ranged from parents to uh, elite educators and, and researchers, entrepreneurs, faith-based organizations, educator leaders and, and educators themselves, so a really diverse group of voices um, presenting their ideas of what what would be game changing in education today. Now, what's the focus? Is this uh, is this a proposal that has nationwide application, or is this Great tends question. to be uh, focused on a local community, or where or somewhere in between? I should tell you. So, 240 proposals pr um, uh, submitted from 33 different states. Our push was that um, think about what could be scaled. It may already exist, but it hasn't been scaled, and it's an idea that you're seeing working and creating problem solving and creating change and innovation in education. We did not narrow the scope of, we didn't give a topic, and in fact, there were four really interesting themes that emerged that I think are, um, we should take note of them. When we have such a broad participation and clear themes, and I'll give you one, I'll probably oh, write I about this later. I want to hear all four you of them. You don't get to hear all four, oh. uh, let me give a couple. Yeah. 
educators, elevating the education profession came through as a strong, multiple proposals, high percentage of proposals around the importance of educators and what are ideas that will elevate the education pro profession. I'll give you a hint on another one because it won't surprise you. We saw a lot around disrupting our current systems, if you will, in education. What I mean by that is we, we have so often participated in silos. Well, there's there's the early learning, then there's the K-12, then there's the higher ed, and then there's the workforce over here. And we saw numerous proposals disrupting and blending and blurring those, those lines. Breaking those uh, artificial right. lines between the different levels of our educational right. system. So, of course, people th know that the teacher is the central figure in American education. This seems to be just another demonstration that people want to improve the quality of the teaching profession want to bring high quality educators into the classrooms and I hope you've got some good ideas there. We do have some good ideas and I, my anticipation, Paul, is that this initiative, P2T, Pathway to Tomorrow, represents um, what is in the heart of America right now that is in some ways stifled because of our, our um, differences and our polarization on political issues. It's, it is a clarion call that Education must be relevant. It must be a part of um, how we continue to be great Americans in our uh, across the country today. And and people want to participate in that call. And they want to be solutions-minded, innovative, forward-thinking, not just on defense. And they want to work together to do it. And they're willing to put their their muscle into the ideas and what it'll take to get there. So, what's your time frame? When shall we know uh, who the winners are and? Uh What's going to happen next? We will be making announcements about the proposals that will go forward. And what that means is these proposals will be developed right now. They're only three pages each, maximum. We did that to make sure everybody could participate, even if you had a day job. And, and then when you're selected and they go through a, review, a rigorous review committee, we had over 30 reviewers from across the country, every, from parents to elite researchers to innovators and entrepreneurs, so diverse group um, of, of reviewers who had a rubric to decide what goes forward. Though we're in mid-stride and going through the review process, those proposals that go forward we will announce um, in probably mid-November. They will then be asked to develop out their ideas and match with other partners to, to, to have a robust proposal. They'll, they'll receive $15,000 to do that. One of these uh, proposals will receive a $100,000 innovation prize. Oh, that's, that's great. So the next stage is coming towards the end of the year, mm -hmm. and it will be the first round of awards, right? And those are to uh, awards to develop a more substantial proposal. Is Correct. That, is that How do you idea? take your idea to scale? What yeah. are the necessary, what's the ne necessary ecosystem and partners you need? And part of this is we will be asking different folks who submitted different ideas to work together if they had similar or overlapping proposals so that they, they really improve upon their ideas together. And then we will look to with our partners, and I said we had over 100 partners and supporters, to match these ideas to local and regional contexts for implementation and impact for kids. So how does this differ from the XQ? I think that's... Uh Name of a high the school. Prize, yes, that was a program that was developed and announced a year or two ago, and they did get some interesting ideas. They are yeah. working on them. How does this relate to that initiative? So I think the XQ is pretty focused around high school reinvention. This is much broader. 
And, and, and why I think that's, I, I applaud XQ. I want to be really clear. I think it was a, a great initiative. The goal behind this was not just um, a single area of focus in education, but rather in the education space today. What, wh how are we contributing and partnering together for relevant ideas for the future for us to build on and work together and inform the conversation and impact for kids? So it's a, it was a broader call with a broader reach. I mentioned parents have submitted all the way to you know, academic uh, researchers, a very broad base of, of um, ideas. And it's also bridging and looking forward across multiple themes. And, and as I said, I'm not sharing all the themes, but I think these themes tell us something. What are we thinking about in the education space today? And how are we being responsive to, we've got 38 gubernatorial candidates come up for election in November. What are we providing for them when it comes to new ideas in the education space that build on the foundation Well, we you say pathways to tomorrow. That's right. And you're giving one award. So how about these other pathways? How are you going to develop, all, you know, you don't want to just have one award, one pathway. How do you, how do you move beyond that? So um, there's one $100,000 award, but there's multiple awards of $15,000 to those, those proposals that are going to go forward to scale so that we can see those scaled out. And then through our partners, which is a vast network across the country, whether it's a local chamber, a local parent organization, or the national PTA um, who participated in the review process, um, we will then make sure that these ideas, not just one, many great ideas, are in the hands of other partners to actually see them implemented and make and create the change we expect for kids. Well, thank you, Hannah. This is a fascinating, innovative, new idea. I should have expected that it would be <laughs> you who would bring this up. Uh, thank you much for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thank you, Paul. I've been speaking with Hannah Scandera, the former Secretary of Education for the State of New Mexico and currently editor of The Line, an online education journal for school uh, district administrators and other education leaders interested in civil discourse. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me every Monday at noon when our weekly podcast is released on the Education Next website.